the number one thing that I think is not known is that the perimenopausal period can last for 10 years, sometimes even longer, before your periods actually stop. And during that perimenopausal time, you know, that's when a lot of women will start to have some of these symptoms. And those symptoms can include, you know, the hot flashes, sometimes night sweats, difficulty sleeping, mood changes, vaginal dryness. And those symptoms can come and go and can vary in severity over that period of time. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am joining Dr. Kelly Colwell, and we are here to shed light on what is really going on with us during menopause and what we can do about it regarding natural hormone remedies and solutions. Now, this episode comes at the most perfect time. I am currently in Italy on vacation with my husband. Before we took off to Europe, I stopped off in New York City to not only hang out with some of my friends, all of whom, by the way, have been on this podcast, but I also had a chance to meet with my publishing team at Penguin Random House to finalize the next book deal. And I am excited to announce that my next book is gonna be focusing on this very subject that we are talking about today. Yes, you heard it, it is official, and you are the first person to hear about it. My next book will be focusing on menopause, perimenopause, and postmenopause, because it's time that we had more credible resources for women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. Now, even though my current book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, has a lot of amazing solutions and protocols for women who are 40 years and over, it doesn't explicitly say so in every single chapter. And I realized this when I was on my 12-city book tour back in February and March, and even at the last book event that I did in Germany just a few weeks ago. See, the biggest question that I get when I meet with all of these women is that they want to know if this current book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, has solutions for them right now, now that they're in menopause and beyond. And I felt their need so deeply, and I felt really called to write the next book in this area focusing on menopause, but specifically taking on from perimenopause and all the years after that. Like what's going on with our bodies? What's happening? Why is it that we, we feel so not only alone in that journey, but really confused about what's going on in our bodies? So when I was on my book tour back in February, March, I felt so inspired that one of those nights that I was traveling, I wrote up the book proposal and I sent it off to Penguin Random House in early March. They were equally excited and hoped that I would think about writing this topic. So they were secretly hoping I was gonna propose this book. I was secretly hoping they were gonna accept the book. And voila, here we are. We were in an immediate agreement and they accepted the proposal and it just felt so perfect. Now I've already begun to research and the good news is, is that we have a lot more control over our hormones and our hormones transition during these important phases of our lives. Now, I am so excited to be having this conversation today with Dr. Kelly Colwell because it's a much needed conversation that more doctors need to be having. Unfortunately, menopause has been painted as a dirty word and in some instances, a condition to be treated, but it's neither of these things. Menopause is a natural transition that each woman gets to experience and it's our bodies and the health that we're experiencing with lifestyle habits where we really can set up our bodies for success during menopause so that it's filled with ease and grace and so much wisdom. Now, before I jump into this amazing conversation with Dr. Kelly Colwell, 
on menopause. Did you know that since we started releasing two podcast episodes each week on Tuesdays and Fridays, more amazing listeners like yourself are listening in and it's all because of you. So thank you so much for tuning in and sharing these episodes with someone in your life that could use a little wellness inspiration. As you know, I created this podcast to give women more insight about their bodies and provide an explanation for why they aren't feeling like themselves, but not sure what is going on. Goodness knows I have been there where I'm just like, what is happening with my body? Where's the answers that I'm looking for? And as I consistently share on Instagram, I believe that we deserve a body that works for us and the solutions that are aligned with actual healing. And by having these conversations, you and I and all these beautiful women out there, we open the door for more change in the healthcare system for women's health, or at least we are giving women a bigger voice. So let's quickly take a moment because I want to celebrate your wins. Now, one particular healing rock star is Sylvia Campbell, and I'm excited to shout out her win as she shared on Facebook just a couple days ago. Here is what Sylvia had to say. It took me over five years to finally get my Hajimoto's diagnosis from a doctor that would listen to me. It was Dr. Maurice's episode with Isabella that finally gave me the answers that I needed to ask for the right test and find the right doctor. I want women to know that there is hope in getting their diagnosis because I finally know what hope feels like. We are not crazy for feeling the way that we are. We deserve to get better answers. Well, Sylvia, honey, thank you so much for sharing your valuable story. Congratulations on that next step in your healing journey. And let me tell you, I am holding space for your continued healing miracles. If you are listening, Sylvia, listening, I would love to gift you my thyroid blend. Just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. And on Instagram, it is at D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A. Now, fellow podcast listeners, are you listening up? Because I would love to shout you out too. You can easily reach out to me via Insta, Facebook, or simply reviewing this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you love to plug into. That way I can continue to support more women who are ready to seize the day and become the CEO of their health. Now, if you guys want to dive deeper into some of the thyroid podcasts, like Sylvia had mentioned, there are actually a couple of episodes that we've done as of recent. Now, Dr. Isabella Wentz was episode 76. I actually did one not too long ago. I'm looking for it right now. It was my Hajimoto's diagnosis, which was number 88. And then we talked about beating autoimmune disease naturally with Palmer Kipla as well, which was episode 90. So those are just some of the thyroid episodes we have. I believe we have one also, just looking real quick, with Dr. Becky Campbell, and that was number 44. So those are just a couple episodes. If specifically thyroid is something you want to focus on, um, I want to just steer you to those episodes right there. All right, let's get back into menopause. Let's dive into this epic conversation with Dr. Colwell. But first, I want to sing her praises. Dr. Kelly Colwell, also known as the Lady Doctor, is a fellowship-trained OBGYN who has devoted her nearly 20-year career to women's health working in the U.S. and globally. The Lady Doctor's mission is to bridge the communication gap between women and their healthcare providers, empowering women to speak openly about their bodies and get all the information they need to take the best care of their health. You can check her out at drladydoctor.com. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Kelly Colwell, also known as the Lady Doctor. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so great to have you as well. And I, we just learned that we're neighbors. We're pretty close. Uh, so it's so great yes. that you and I are both in San Diego. And what I wanted to do before we jump into this conversation, and this is going to be a conversation that I know my audience is going to go crazy for, and we're going to be talking about basically what is going on with menopause and you know, what other non-hormonal solutions can we, can we leverage to really help support women during this wonderful transition in their life, although sometimes it doesn't feel so wonderful. We're going to kind of change the landscape of what women are feeling today. So tell me a little bit about your journey, Dr. Kelly, about what brought you into this wonderful area of expertise. I have an origin story, just like all good superheroes, where I was in medical school. And in medical school, you learn to do pelvic exams on women because there are women who volunteer to be pelvic models and allow medical students to learn how to give pelvic exams. And these women are amazing. These women know a lot about their bodies. They actually can tell you when you're touching their ovary and when you're not. So when I was doing the pelvic exam for the first time. And I inserted the speculum, which is, you know, the duckbill thing that all women dread. When I first saw the cervix pop into view, which is the whole reason that we insert the speculum so we could, you know, see the cervix and do pap tests. When I first saw the cervix pop into view, I literally thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I mean, it's a very strange story, but it's true. It's absolutely true. And I thought, you know what? I, I want to take care of women. This is what I want to do. I find everything about women's bodies fascinating. And as I got to spend more and more time taking care of women in both medical school and then residency, and then I did a fellowship, I realized that that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to spend time educating women, helping them know more about their bodies and helping them to be as healthy as possible. Hmm, I love that. I love that. And so basically you just knew that this was going to be your area of focus. I just think that's so great. Now I can't imagine that you've got, I can imagine just like I get every single day, women really trying to understand what is going on with menopause. So what are some of these top questions that you are getting from your patients when it comes to understanding? I mean, I know we're talking specifically about menopause, but do you find even that women in perimenopause are trying to figure out what's going on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because first of all, nobody knows what perimenopause means. So I think a lot of women think, you know, menopause means I stop having periods and that's it. And then maybe when I stop having periods, I've heard maybe I'll have some hot flashes and, you know, maybe I'll have night sweats and maybe I'll have some vaginal dryness because I see advertisements for that kind of stuff. But they don't realize, you know, the number one thing that I think is not known is that the perimenopausal period can last for 10 years, sometimes even longer before your periods actually stop. And during that perimenopausal time, you know, that's when a lot of women will start to have some of these symptoms. And those symptoms can include, you know, the hot flashes, sometimes night sweats, difficulty sleeping, mood changes, vaginal dryness. And those symptoms can come and go and can vary in severity over that period of time. So I think that's the number one thing that, you know, when women come in complaining of some of these symptoms, they have no idea that they're actually related to this perimenopausal period because they're still having menstrual cycles. And so they assume that there's no way this could be, you know, quote unquote, menopause. Right. No, I understand that. That I, That's exactly what happens. I, I talk to women all the time who just really don't understand what's really happening. And I do find, yeah, I mean, 10, 10 years or even a little bit more depending on what's going on with their bodies or what kind of medications they're taking. I mean, it can really vary from woman to woman. Now, as women are going into menopause, tell me a little bit about the things that they are most concerned about. What are those questions that come up for you? 
Yeah. I mean, besides the symptoms, which I kind of just talked about briefly, you know, that, that women think about, I think what also surprises women a lot is the wide variation that can happen with the actual menstrual period itself. So I think that a lot of women assume your period is going to get lighter and lighter and lighter and less frequent and then eventually stop. And that's not what happens for most women. Most women will have periods of irregular bleeding. They might have some periods of very heavy bleeding. And their periods, they just change. They changed for one way or the other. It's, it's a very rare woman that I see that you know just kind of goes along with her regular menstrual periods and then just stops having them one day. So because there's so much change happening with your hormonal environment, because your eggs from your, your ovaries are not producing eggs every month as consistently as they were before. You don't have the same hormonal regulation that you had, you know, maybe in your twenties and thirties. And so there's a lot of sort of fluctuations that can happen that cause a lot of wide variation in bleeding patterns. And so, you know, during this time, you might have periods of very heavy bleeding. You might have periods of no bleeding at all for several months in a row. So I think that that is what women are most confused about, you know, when they come in, you know, and trying to figure out why their periods are changing when they haven't stopped completely due to menopause. Right. And are you kind of going into what is going on there? I know a lot of women don't realize. I think one of the big things I get, by the way, I get so many women asking about menopause. This may actually end up being my next book coming out. The question that I get, a lot of women don't realize that it's, it's a normal process that we are declining our ovarian function, right? That our, our estrogen and progesterone levels are going down significantly. And a lot of women are like, well, my doctors keep telling me I have little, I have no hormones. I need to fix that. I need to get my hormones back. And I always want to just preface that with my, with patients that you know, that's technically a normal process of the body, that it, we're coming to the, the end of our ability to be, I think about all the energy it takes to ovulate and all the energy it takes to make a baby. All of a sudden, we kind of regain that energy because we don't, we don't necessarily have to go through that anymore. But it is a normal process. And I find that, women's, that when women are dealing with menopause, although, yes, a decrease in estrogen and progesterone can very much cause some symptoms, I find that it's oftentimes, and you can speak to this as well, inflammation, it's stress, it's a lot of other external factors that are playing a role in why we're not feeling 100%. Because there are so many places around the world who don't even have the word menopause in the dictionary because that transition is usually is you women kind of in other places can kind of saunter through menopause, which I know we don't do that here very well. You know, we, we really feel it when, when we start to lose some of those hormones. Do you find that women ever asking you that as well? It's like, I need to get my hormones back, or they think that losing those hormones are the biggest reason why they don't feel well? Sure, absolutely. You know, the medical establishment has actually changed the terminology from what we used to say, hormone replacement therapy. And now we just call it hormone therapy because we've recognized you don't have to replace these hormones. You know, it is a natural process that happens. And the only reason that hormone therapy is indicated is if you want to temporarily help some of these symptoms by adding in some of these hormones, but it's absolutely not necessary from a health perspective. And for women who prefer to avoid hormones or prefer to take a more natural approach, there are, you know, other options that can help to, you know, ease this transition. And a lot of those options do include, like you're talking about lifestyle changes, you know, things that really exacerbate some of these symptoms, whether it's lack of exercise, whether it's diet and high levels of refined sugars or caffeine or alcohol, you know, a lot of 
these things that we do here in Western society definitely contribute to a lot of the symptoms that women experience during this time. Mm, I 100% agree. I, you know, I have so many women asking me about brain fog and they think, and, and not that brain fog can't be hormonally related, absolutely. But what we're finding is brain fog is really more a result of kind of this modern living that we're living, that there's inflammation in the brain, that our mitochondria are being compromised. You know, I just did a podcast episode on brain fog and how we can really heal brain fog. And although, yes, Hormones can play a role here. I have found that more so it's lifestyle that we can, we, can get our, we can get our brain functioning far better if we just focus on the right nutrients and reducing inflammation and, and making sure that our mitochondria are happy, you know, because that's where energy comes from. And so it's just under, so often women are like, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm struggling with this brain fog. And I was like, but it's not necessarily connected to estrogen levels. It's something else that's going on in the body that we should, that definitely needs to be addressed, but isn't necessarily connected to the ovarian function. So I'm really grateful that you gave a little bit of that insight is there as well. So talk a little bit about, you know, as you're looking at women, you're kind of looking at women as they're shifting into their fifties, into their sixties. What are some of the options that you're offering for women who are struggling with vaginal dryness or who are struggling with hot flashes or who are struggling with brain fog or struggling with mood swings, depression, anxiety? These are some of the things that I find women are dealing with as they're moving from perimenopause into menopause and, and even post-menopause. That's definitely a conversation that I'm having with women these days. Absolutely. Well, you know, the other thing that I think is, is really important to note is that women in this age group have incredible amount of stressors on them. A lot mm-hmm. of women, you know, starting in your forties, these days, women in their forties and fifties may still have young children. They also have aging parents. Mm-hmm. They also have full-time jobs. So this time of life is a time of a lot of external stressors as well. And so a lot of these symptoms are definitely exacerbated by all of that. And so we have to sort of take into consideration what women are going through in their you know, day-to-day life. And you know, a lot of times there's no options for reducing those stressors, but recognizing yeah. that as something that's really important, I think is critical. You know, I think it, it all starts with diet and exercise. I think people are probably sick and tired of hearing healthcare providers say this, but how you feed your body and how you move your body are incredibly important for you know, just every aspect of health. And regular exercise is so good for mood swings. It's so good to help with insomnia, with some of even some of the hot flashes and night sweats that can happen if, if you re- exercise regularly. Some of those things can be decreased. You know, there are certain more natural supplements that also can be options for women. So a lot of the things that are you know sort of touted as helping menopause don't necessarily have great amounts of evidence to support them, but there are some that do. You know, example would be soy in the diet. Right. Now there's a lot of controversy around soy, of course, right. because of, you know, the, the way that soy is produced, unfortunately, but soy has the phytoestrogens, mm-hmm. which actually can help to support the body during this time period. Other things that can help, you know, there are some mixed results around uh, fish oil supplementation mm-hmm. or uh, black cohosh, which is mm-hmm. another very common herb that is present in a lot of sort of natural menopausal supplements. One thing that I have had a lot of women have success with is St. John's wort, especially for some of the mood changes and the sleep issues. It's important though, if you're using any of these products to make sure that your healthcare provider knows, because Mm -hmm. a lot of these natural products can interact with some other medications that you might be taking. So it is really important that you make sure your healthcare provider knows any supplement you're taking at all. Even if you think they're going to tell you that they're useless, they need to know that you're taking them. 
Absolutely. I 100% agree. You know, so often women ask me about phytoestrogens and isoflavones and if they're safe enough. And I always tell women it's, it's worth giving them a go for, you know, let your health practitioner know, give it, trying them out for 30 days, see how they work for you. I mean, they tend to be very gentle, but it's case by case. It's woman to woman. I'm a big fan of essential oils. I have women making hot flash sprays, little yeah. spritzers. And my mom is known as the hot flash fairy at her hospital. And she carries this little spray bottle of peppermint and clary sage and she just spritzes women and it can stop a hot flash now it's not preventing them from happening but if if they're having one right then and there it can stop it right then and there so that's a little a little solution there just for kind of the interim but you're absolutely right any of those supplements can potentially be helpful i find and i don't know if you've seen this as well i find that when women work on kind of supporting the liver that they can also help some of these symptoms subside yeah, you know, the one thing I would say is I, in general, you know, Western medicine, we don't get a ton of training on nutritional balance or anything like that. And so the work that I have done really around around this topic has been sort of personal investigation and mm-hmm. then also kind of what patients tell me in terms of what has worked for them. And I try as much as possible to focus on evidence-based strategies. So things that we actually have published evidence in the literature. We just don't lot, have a lot published. Exactly. We I haven't, mean, we haven't been paying attention to women for a long yeah, time. Exactly. I mean, it's only, women have only been, it's only been required that women have been part of clinical trials with the FDA to approve actual, you know, drugs for the last, you know, couple, 20 years or so. 20 years. You know, yeah. Since that, 2004. It wasn't even required that women were part of clinical trials. So absolutely, there's a lot we don't know about menopause and about the treatments for menopause simply because we haven't studied them. So a lot of it is really sort of word of mouth that happens. And as long as you're informing your healthcare provider of what you're doing, you really should find a healthcare provider that is supportive of integrative and complementary approaches because of the fact that we don't have all the answers in Western medicine. And if you can find a healthcare provider that is supportive of that, even if they're not that knowledgeable, but making sure that you tell them what you're doing so that they're not prescribing you anything that might be in conflict with any of the natural remedies you're doing. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. And I'm so glad that you shed some light on that. I think a lot of women are a little bit confused as to how confused we are as we're navigating this world for the first time. You know, it's so interesting to me, Dr. Kelly, and I'm sure you can speak to this as well. For half of the population, being the creators of life on this planet, it's really intriguing to me that we still don't know as much as I think we should know when it comes to women's hormone health. <laughs> Absolutely. I, ha- I had a, a colleague who said, you know, if men had endometriosis, there would have been a cure 50 years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. And bless, oh my gosh, so many women are still being misdiagnosed and, and not listened to. So yes, absolutely. Men, truly, if, if any of these things, men, we would have had solutions a long time ago. I'm looking at my questions here for you. I know we kind of defined a little bit about menopause, but is there a full definition that you like to provide your patients? Yes. Well, so the technical definition of menopause is that you have not had a menstrual period for a year. And the thing that's hard about that definition is that it's sort of a retroactive definition, right? So as you're going through it, it's hard to know for sure if this is it, or if you're going to, you know, say you've gone three or four months without a period, is it going to, you're going to have a period next month, or is it going to be the next nine months without one? And then you are in fact in menopause. So it's a little bit of a challenge because it's a transition the hard line is you don't really know until you've hit it. <laughs> so that does make it a little challenging. You know, hormonal testing during this time 
is is difficult. It's you know notoriously not accurate because the hormones are so they vary so widely, even from day to day. So depending on what day you have your hormones tested, they may or may not demonstrate that you are in fact in menopause. So there are certain values where we know, okay, yes, that clearly you are in menopause, but it is definitely a difficult absolute diagnosis to make until you really have gone that 12 months without a menstrual period. We can diagnose the symptoms, obviously, and we know kind of what's going on there. But yeah, there's unfortunately not like a great cut and dry bright line until you've gone a year without having a period. True. Well, I feel like a lot of it isn't very cut and dry. Even when we, you know, we run hormones, let's say if a woman's in her thirties, you know, we know that they're always fluctuating. We know that there's a lot of, I always say that hormones are kind of those chemical mediators that are really being dictated by the life that we're living every day. You know, if I'm, if I'm stressed doing something over here, my hormones have to respond to that. You know, if I'm, so I find that they're always trying to adapt to what we've got going on. But would you say, let's say, let's say I am 48. And I'm, I'm not sure what's happening. It may be that I'm menopausal, but not yet, yet. A lot of things aren't really changing in, let's say, that, that year. Would you, I mean, yes, we know that probably hormones are dropping just a little bit more. But for the most part, if you're having symptoms, let's say, at 49, and then, but you're officially there at 51 or 50 point, like somewhere in, at 50, you know, we may still be kind of managing those same symptoms, no matter if a woman's in menopause or not. That's absolutely true. It doesn't really matter ultimately. I mean, okay. The only thing that it does matter is whether or not you still need to be using contraception. Right. <laughs> uh, right. We don't want to get only... pregnant if we're not trying yeah. to get pregnant. Right. Right. If you're not trying to get pregnant, that that's the, the kind of the only sort of we kind of need a drop dead date to kind of figure that out. But right. other than that, yes, you're right. We're treating your symptoms, you know, whether or not you're still having periods, whether or not, you know, they're irregular, whatever it might be, we're addressing the symptoms at that point. Because again, menopause isn't a disease. It's not like we know to diagnose it so we can treat it. Despite um, what old men said in the fifties and forties, right. let's just make it real clear <laughs> that it's not, it's, it's that moment where we really get to step into our wisdom. I'm hoping you know, one of the things I was really excited about this conversation is really how we get to work together to change and re-navigate the way that women feel about menopause in this country and in this society. Because I really think it should be like my mama. My mama's coming here today. She's coming to stay with me at this beautiful hotel. My mom's 58 years old. Don't, don't tell her I told anybody. I'm always just like, don't tell people. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She ran a seven minute mile two weeks ago. She wow. runs marathons and half marathons. She gets up at four in the morning every day. You know, we have done so much great work with her. She's done a lot of liver detoxes too, but she she's, eats very well. She uses her supplements. She does her oil. She does her whole thing. And she's a superwoman. And she looks at, she feels it. And let me tell you, at 50 years old, she was not where she is right now. She was not running like this. She, you know, she was struggling at 50. And at 58, oh my, she is rock star status. Uh, she looks younger today than she did at 51. That's amazing. It? And it's not because of Botox. She's not doing any of that. <laughs> just make that clear too. So I just, you know, the possibility of, of what is possible I'm just so excited about changing that conversation because I just feel a lot of women have been told that, okay, it's, it's, a, done, we're, it's a done deal. You know, now that you're in menopause, everything's going to fall apart. And I just, you know, I always want to be able to change that conversation. And real quick too, I, I know I wanted to just share that little story, but the big thing that I hear a lot from women, you know, especially it's post-menopause. 
And I want to really, I want to have you speak to this a little bit that again, menopause is just this defining moment where a year has gone by. We don't have a period and we can officially say that we're not making babies anymore, right? That, that our ovaries have kind of turned, turned down. They, they're not, they're not necessarily having to do that job anymore, but women are so concerned about postmenopause. But again, menopause is very much the same as postmenopause. Would you say that? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think that a huge part of what bothers women about this period is our society's, I don't know what the word would be, but the way that society feels about women getting older, Yeah, you know, because, you know, women are supposed to be young and, you know, fertile fertile and uh, and vibrant and glowing skin and not gray hair and, you know, all of this stuff. And I, I think that that is such a huge part of it is the fact that our society doesn't value older women in the way that it should, or at least that's the messages that are put out there. I think as individuals, we really do. I really do. Like, I mean, you don't meet a lot of people who don't have a lot of sort of admiration for a lot of older women who are doing amazing things. And I think that just as sort of the cultural messages that are put out there is that women become kind of useless, you know, post-menopause. And it may be because of the whole baby making thing, but I think also we just value this sort of cultural aspects of beauty and youth and, you know, and being thin and all of this stuff. And I, I think that that this is just a natural extension of what women have experienced all throughout their youth. I was actually watching, so this is funny, my, my son and I, my son, my son is nine years old and he loves the show Will and Grace which is funny to me. And so I love that he loves Will and Grace. Yeah. Oh, so we've great. been watching the remake and last night we were watching an older episode that we're catching up on on DVR. And it's an episode where Grace and Jack are trying to lose weight. And, you know, Jack is one of the gay male characters and, and Grace is the straight female character. And they're commenting on why they need to lose weight. And Jack has an event coming up and he says to, her, to Grace, well, why do you need to lose weight? And she said, because I'm a woman who's alive. And... <laughs> <laughs> I, that's and my real son, talk right there. <laughs> my son reacted to it. He said, you know, that's true. Everybody thinks that women need to be thin. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, that's, I mean, I'm really glad that he's recognizing that that's sort of a message, you know, that he got that. Cause a lot of the jokes in Will and Grace kind of go over his head, obviously, but that's not that really, one. <laughs> yeah. And, and I thought, you know, this is a real nice teaching moment that I can try to work in <laughs> some, some gender positive and woman positive messaging. But, you know, I just think that's sort of the messaging that is so pervasive. And I think it really impacts women's feelings about going through menopause and that they kind of feel like, well, yeah, that's it. I'm done. You know, and they're really not because now when women go through menopause, I mean, you probably have, gosh, 30, 40, 50 more years. You know, it truly might be midlife for, for women these days. And that's different than it used to be, right? When women only were living into their 60s. Right, or 70s. Absolutely. So nice to have you on to be able to clear that. You know, I just had a book come out and I was on a book tour and I went to several different cities. That's what one does on a book tour. And I met so many women. I probably met about 1,500 women. And it was important for me to be on the road to get to meet these amazing women, these beautiful women. And so often the big question was, well, does this book have anything for me at postmenopause? And always the kind of the question I want to ask is, well, how are you defined by that? And then two, what is the thing that you're afraid that this book doesn't have for you personally? Because it was, it's always that postmenopause, postmenopause, 
postmenopause thing that they kept asking. And I was like, well, what is, what is it that you're dealing with at postmenopause that doesn't feel like menopause or perimenopause or at any point in your life? Because I just wanted to get some clarity because I don't want women postmenopause or however, the fact that we're even kind of defining it as such concerns me, right? The women want to put themselves or feel like they've been forced into this box, but I want to make sure that they feel heard and they feel addressed and that they feel like their needs are being met. So that's why I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because it was, if there was a bigger, the biggest shouting voice right now towards me is women at menopause and postmenopause do not feel supported by us. I think it's, again, this sort of older women, actually, I don't know why I keep thinking of TV shows, but there was a scene in Grace and Frankie, I think is it called, that Netflix show, where they said that their superpower was that they were old women and they're invisible. So they stole a pack of cigarettes from a grocery store because they couldn't get anybody to pay attention to them to, so they could buy a pack of cigarettes. That's hilarious. Um, you know, I mean, I do think that a lot of times older women in the society are invisible and we don't listen to them. And I think that the great thing about being postmenopause is that you're done with that transition, right? right? So a lot of the symptoms and all of that stuff are stabilizing. Right. And so the roller coaster limbo of perimenopause, yeah. I think that's the that's the nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you it's inconsistent. Yeah, yes. Focus on the rest of your life. And, you know, and like you said, the energy that's needed to produce an egg and make a baby is no longer needed. So now we can use that for something else. And I think that just making sure that women feel vital, important, and heard. And then, yes, if they're still having symptoms, I mean, I know some women who even after menopause, five, six oh, years, they're still having hot flashes. Mm-hmm. They're still having vaginal dryness. You know, they're still having all of these issues. So yes, we can treat those symptoms, but we need to open up a space where women can tell us what they're feeling and what's happening. Because I do feel like a lot of times older women are invisible in our society. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I really, I really appreciate one, this conversation. I, I don't want women to ever feel, and neither of us want women to feel invisible. And I want women to feel, like you said, we, we're stepping into this higher power. We're stepping into this higher energy that we, I really hope that we get to change and, and help women and really embrace that moment for themselves. As you know, I'm in perimenopause and there are definitely days, even though I, my, my work is on hormones and, but even myself, I can be, I can definitely, you know, one day may be very different than the next as things are shifting in my hormone system. And I'm like, okay. And my mom had such a hard time in perimenopause. And so she was like, you know, giddy up for the ride because it's coming. I think that that the way that we manage perimenopause and menopause, if we're taking care of our bodies can look vastly different than, you know, if indeed we're not doing some of the things that you had mentioned, the good nutrition, making sure that we're getting enough antioxidants, making sure that we're moving our bodies, making sure that we're reducing stress levels, you know, all of those things play such a big role. I find that so often that menopause and perimenopause is really more driven by stress than anything else. And I know that we touched upon that earlier. Mm-hmm. We've got the definition there. We've talked a little bit about the symptoms, but let's dig a little bit deeper into the sign and symptoms of what are going on. And maybe we can even speak to a little bit about, you know, how are these interconnected with our hormones? I know some of these signs and symptoms are going to be connected to a decrease in estrogen. Is that something that we should be concerned about? I know a lot of women are afraid to lose estrogen. Um, A lot of women are concerned about their progesterone levels dropping. What are some things that we should be mindful of during these transitions? 
Right. So yeah, I mean, this all really relates to the fact that an egg is not being released from the ovary every month, right? right. Because that's kind of the key to regulating all of these hormones in the body. When, when an egg is released, you know, hormones are released that, you know, trigger hormones in your brain to either stop producing hormones or produce hormones. You know, the whole thing is sort of related to this sort of egg release from the ovary thing. So when eggs aren't released, you just don't get the same cyclical control. And then ultimately, when there are no eggs that are being released at all, then yes, that's when you start to get these drops in estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, which is also another hormone that women are very concerned about, particularly as it relates to libido. There are definite places for supplementation of some of these hormones. They can be very useful in short term for women who are suffering from very severe hot flashes or very severe vaginal dryness, just having a vaginally administered estrogen can be useful. But you know, as we've talked about, there are other ways to treat these symptoms as well. And it's not that you have to have a certain level of estrogen or progesterone or even testosterone for that matter, because those levels are naturally going to drop as you get older. And that's okay, but it is important that you are able to feel as good as you can so that you can continue to be sort of vibrant, you know, and and keep your activity level up so that you can have the most positive quality of life as possible as you as you get older. How should we be eating at this stage in our life? Yes. Well, I mean, so certain there's certain food triggers for especially for hot flashes. And so and I kind of briefly mentioned those before, but you you said sugar girl. Sugar. <laughs> sugar yeah. is a big one. <laughs> yeah. Caffeine, sugar, alcohol. You know, yeah. sometimes women get triggered by spicy foods, although, you know, plenty of people can do great with spicy foods, especially if that's something that they absolutely love. But, you know, it, it, sometimes women can get triggered by that. Obviously, smoking, just huge disaster for everything health wise, but it, it can make uh, menopausal symptoms worse. Certain, you know, so certain nutrition, we talked about soy and, you know, and isoflavones. Other things that I've heard lots of women report feeling great with is, you know, sweet potatoes and yams is something that can be really helpful and, and also just good for you health-wise. In general, yes. Yeah, and provides a nice sweetness when you're avoiding that refined sugar. <laughs> oh my gosh, I rely on sweet potatoes. That's my sweet thing, you know? Yeah. And I love the, the, I mean, that bright pigment. People don't realize, just in case you didn't know, guys, sweet potatoes are not potatoes. No. They're in a different family altogether. Yeah, and they're delicious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, with a little bit of coconut oil, sign me up. And some cinnamon. Yeah, yeah right, right. Sorry, I didn't keep on going, girl. I'm so sorry. I just, I just had that little moment where I was like, ooh, sweet potatoes. I love yeah, them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, that's kind of, I, I, I'm a little tapped out on nut- nutrition, to be honest, because this is where I sort of rely on my nutritionist colleagues to provide me with additional information. Again, you know, in Western medicine, we just sort of scratch the surface. If you're not a vegetarian and you can incorporate some fish into your diet, because fish oil definitely is, is beneficial in a lot of these symptoms as well. If you can't incorporate fish into your diet, taking fish oil supplementations can be helpful. Other things outside of diet that I have found can be really helpful for women is just, as we talked about managing stress, either through meditative practices, mm. uh, yoga, we talked about exercise. And then I'm also a huge fan of acupuncture. You know, I think that a lot of symptoms that Western medicine doesn't treat well, whether it be menopause, whether it be pain, whether it be mental health, emotional problems, I think a lot of those problems can be complementary, complementarily <laughs> treated with acupuncture as well. So I'm a huge fan there too. 
Wonderful. So, East, so diving into Eastern medicine as well as an option yes. for, for healthy. Yeah. And one of my other, I was going to say my favorite foods too, is the brassicas, you know, oh. lots of broccoli, yeah. you know, cause so often, even if we are, you know, we have decreased estrogen, I do find that offset sometimes women can have, you know, excess xenoestrogens, you know, even because of environmental concerns. So always, always worth bringing in those brassicas if we're finding that maybe there's something off there with our labs, you know, if, if women showing up with, with an interesting level of estrogens when they shouldn't be, that always is a concern for me, wondering if they're slathering on, on accident, some phthalate driven lotion or something like that. I love that. I, and I think you're absolutely right. I think these are all such great. I, is there anything else I'm trying to think about what else you would love to add? I'm trying to think about how about, you know, even for emotional well-being, is it that we should just be working on stress if someone's feeling anxious or someone's feeling a little bit I wouldn't say like full on depressed. It's a whole different ballgame altogether. But every now and again, I mean, women tell me it feels like the dimmer switch has been turned down. Like they're just not as excited or like we talked about that vitality and just feeling good. Would you say yoga and meditation are are good ones to kind of clear the mind and and reset the system in that way? Absolutely. And I think even more broadly, self-care in general. I mean, now it's kind of almost- Amen. It's almost becoming a cliche a little bit, but- (laughs) But for, you know, for older women, especially, we have just never, and like I was talking about before, you know, you may still have young children, you may have elderly parents, you may have a full-time job. We just always put ourselves last. And that's just a recipe for not maintaining your own vitality. And so taking some time just to, I don't know, have a spa day once a quarter, if you can, or if you can't have, you know, if you can't afford a spa day, just taking time in your own bathroom, you know, just having a a nice bath or doing a facial treatment on yourself or, you know, just taking a little bit of time for yourself. And I think that's kind of almost where, yes, there are some objective benefits of things like yoga and meditation, but part of the benefits of those are just taking time for yourself. Same thing goes for exercise. You know, when you're exercising, you're taking time for yourself. Nobody else can bother you. Nobody else can ask anything. Don't bring your phone into the gym. Yes. Right. That is a big rule. And if you can exercise outside, if the weather is good, you you know, I mean, that's even better. Yeah. Time in nature can be really uh, revitalizing for for women, for people in general, but especially in this day and age where we just spend all this time inside, sitting down under artificial light, you know, it's just not the way that our bodies were meant to thrive. So I think that that's you know taking time for yourself and self care, and whatever that includes for you, whatever you know you can incorporate into your life, time wise, financially, whatever it might be, I think is really really important. And again, it's a luxury a lot of times for women to have any time or money for self care because they're just trying to get by. But any little thing you can do, I think, is is critical. I agree. I think you know, for me too, I grew up. I always talk about this that I grew up under the mindset that my worth was predicated on how much I did for others. And I think so much of that was my mode of operation. And I think for a lot of women too, even that step of just believing that you deserve to take care of yourself and to do what it could be reading a book. It could just be having alone time by yourself, you know, whatever that looked like, maybe it's just browsing through target for two hours, you know, like whatever it is to get your own time by, but really stepping into that power that you deserve it. I have found to be such a powerful, a piece of the puzzle and I think once that we believe that we deserve it, then, then we get to create it. One of my favorite ways to get women to kind of step out of that is really creating a joy list, mm-hmm. you know, where we pick things that are free and things that cost a little bit of money. And that we even write, I think so often we don't even know what we love. That's absolutely true. That's and so true. just to write down, just be like, oh, I love to do this. 
And, you know, I always say women have do one thing that costs a little bit of money. Maybe it's to buy a new book, or maybe it's to get a matcha green tea at your favorite little coffee shop, or maybe it's to take that yoga class or that meditation class, but then have things that are free. And hiking for me is always on the free list. And nothing clears my mind and puts me in a better space than hiking. And, you know, we're so blessed to live here in San Diego where, you know, I hike Torrey Pines twice a week. Wow. And so... Yeah. I just love that little area. Anyway, but yeah, I love those ideas. And just if women, you are struggling with self-care, I think those are just some ways to look at it that don't feel, like you said, a luxury that I cannot do this. You know, I feel like self-care is a non-negotiable at this point today if we want to have healthy hormones or happy hormones. Well, Dr. Kelly, is there anything else you'd love to add for us today? I know I want to know where to find you, where, to, where we can connect in with you. Any, any other big kind of realization that you'd love for us to walk away with today? Well, no, I just think it's so important that we're having these conversations and that women feel heard and women recognize that we do care. We care about making sure that you can be as healthy as possible throughout your entire life, the whole lifespan. So I would love for women to find me on my website, which is www.drladydoctor.com. And there you'll find a bunch of resources where they're kind of curated websites, of places that you can get more information. I also have a blog and I also have a place where people can contact me directly should they have questions. And I love to either answer questions directly, or I can incorporate some of those questions into future blog topics. So I'd love to hear from any of your listeners who have questions. That's wonderful. Well, I know that they, I'm sure they're sure to give you some information. That's for sure. You know, what I love about my listeners is they have no problem telling me what's up, you know, and I love that. I want this to always be a safe place where women can connect and let us know what they need so that we can deliver it. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Kelly Colwell, it was such a pleasure to have you on and such a pleasure to know that we're not too far away from one another. Thank yes. you. Yes, I know. And thank you so much for doing this good work. We need more women like you out in the world, really helping to navigate and change the landscape, how we, how we address menopause and the beautiful life beyond. So I wanted to say thank you again, and, and I hope that you have a wonderful day today. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure to be with you. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that really excited me about this interview with Dr. Kelly Caldwell is that she is an OBGYN and she is actively looking for different solutions for women in perimenopause and menopause that are natural. We need more doctors like her out there who are interested in a more functional approach to healing our bodies. For years, doctors were told that hormone replacement therapy was an absolute must for women in menopause. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was the gold standard prescription given to any woman who complained of menopausal symptoms. Clearly, research has shown that hormone replacement therapy is not the solution for all women. It's about getting to the root cause and figuring out why women are experiencing symptoms in the first place during or after menopause. We need to figure out what the root cause is. These conversations are exactly what is needed to open the door to focusing on safer, more effective solutions for women. It gave me a lot of inspiration for my next book because we deserve to feel vibrant, happy, healthy, and empowered to live our best life. Now, I have a special surprise for you today. As a way to set you up for success during and after this interview, I have the perfect cheat sheet for you that features my top five favorite hormone blends for hot flashes, brain fog, fatigue, mood swings, and calming mental chatter and anxiety. You can head on over to the show notes and grab it or go to drmarisa.com slash episode 96. 
I can't wait for you to check out these blends. These are blends that I use all the time. Yes, they're also featured in the book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, but sometimes it's nice to just have a little cheat sheet. So go and grab that up. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. Later on this week, I have an amazing guest coming up who I'm super excited about. I actually had a chance to meet up with her at a little party in New York that my dear friend Maya was throwing for me. Victoria Albina, she's going to be talking about the mind-gut connection, managing your mind for true sustainable healing. It is no surprise that our mindset is directly connected to our health and well-being, but even tying it to our gut health is going to be such an interesting conversation. So definitely cue into the next episode with me and Victoria. She is amazing. She is funny. I had to meet her and it was so wonderful because we literally met two weeks after we recorded this episode. So I can't wait for you guys to check that out. In the meantime, have an amazing, wonderful start to your summer and I look forward to seeing you guys very soon. Bye.